So we're in the second week of a series called Pressure Points, where we're looking at the book of James, which is in the New Testament. And James was the younger brother of Jesus, if you can imagine that. And he became one of the key leaders in the early church, a leader in Jerusalem, kind of the hub for early Christianity. But as they lived out their faith in this early church, they were under incredible persecution from the Romans. So much so that people were being killed and people were being just treated awfully. And so they scattered all throughout the Roman Empire. Christians started to live in all these far outposts. And so James wanted to give encouragement. He wanted to give some teaching. And so he wrote a letter that was sent out to these early Christians all over the world. And so in this book, we find all of these keys for how to deal with the pressure points of life. How do you continue to live out your faith in your real life? And even though it was written to a first century audience, it is so, so applicable for us today. You know, when we face storms in life, it is easy to feel unstable and insecure. And maybe today you feel like you are in the middle of a huge storm. You know, storms come in all different forms. I mean, today we are in the storm of a virus that is impacting the world. You might be in a financial storm. You might be in a health storm, maybe a mental health storm, maybe a relational storm, or maybe all of the above. Maybe you feel like you're right in the eye of the storm. But maybe there's others that are tuning in today or worshiping here where you're thinking, you know, life's pretty good. I'm kind of in the calm time of life. But what we need to understand is that storms come oftentimes when we least expect it. And so we need to be ready to face the storms of life. And so today, what we're going to hear James talk about at the end of chapter 1 is how it is so important for us to have an anchor as we go through these times of storms. And the most important anchor that we can have as the followers of Jesus is the anchor of God's word. Now, the idea of God's word being an anchor shows up all throughout Scripture many, many times. Look at Hebrews 6.19 where it says, we have this hope as an anchor for the soul. It is sure and it is strong. The hope that God gives is the anchor that we need. Now look at Psalm 119, where it says, God, my soul is weak from waiting for you to save me, but my hope is based on your word. There are so many other places that you can try to put your hope, but ultimately where we find hope is from the truth of God's word. In order to survive the storms of life, we need to stay anchored to God's word. Now think of how important it is to have a good anchor when you're on a boat. Think about the importance of having good anchors when you're rock climbing, Anchors help keep us grounded. Anchors help keep us safe. And so James today is going to help us understand how to stay anchored to the truth of God's word. So if you have your Bibles with you, I'd invite you to turn to the book of James, chapter 1, 
verse 22. And again, James is towards the end of the New Testament, which means it's the, towards the end of your Bible. It comes right after the book of Hebrews and before the letters that Peter and John wrote. And if you have your phone, you can just dial it up in version or even in Google, just James chapter 1, verse 22. And I want to read our passage with you together. It'll also be up on the screen. And so this is what James has to say to us today. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in the mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. But whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they have heard, but doing it, they will be blessed in what they do. So in verse 22, James starts out by saying, do not merely listen to the word, and so deceive yourselves. Now we need to remember, James is talking to churchy people. People like many of us who are a part of a church, who are regularly worshiping. James's audience is people who are already following Jesus, but he's saying you might be deceived. You might be doing all the right things, but still find yourself deep in deception. You see, he's warning us that you might show up to church You might tune in on your computer. You might hear the word of God and still be deceived. And the thing is, this might be happening this morning. And not only that, it might be happening to us. Because I think oftentimes church people have the wrong understanding of what worship is all about. You know, oftentimes we have this thinking, like, if I do everything necessary to get to church on time, I find my seat, I sit down, I listen to the guy up front, well, I should get a gold star, shouldn't I? I should get a check mark by my name, right? I mean, think of all that you have to go through. You got to set your alarm. You have to have something to eat. You got to get your kids packed up. It's a lot to go through. Don't we get some credit for just showing up? And listening, or perhaps you're watching online. You know, you got to figure out the right website and find a comfortable spot, have your coffee ready. I mean, we should get some credit, right, for just showing up and listening. And not only that, I mean, doesn't God kind of owe us in the coming week? Like, shouldn't He do something because we've done this for Him? But not only that, maybe we tune in or we show up, we hear God's word, and maybe we have kind of a little feeling, a little bit of a conviction that happens, you know, like, whoa, that kind of sticks with me. That sounds good, you know, that hits me kind of deep down. And so we not only show up and come on time, we not only listen, but we have a little bit of an emotional response, and we think that's what it's all about, isn't it? I mean, I've had a religious experience. Now I'm good to go. I can go into the rest of my week. And what James is saying is if you're thinking that way, you are being deceived. You're completely missing the point. Because in the second part of verse 22, what he says is do what it says. 
If you're familiar with the King James Version of the Bible, it says, be doers of the word. Now, again, this flies in the face of what many people are conditioned to believe. You see, it means that God expects more from us than just showing up on time. He expects more from us than just hearing the word spoken or even just reading it on our own. It's more than just feeling convicted. It's more than just listening to a podcast. God expects us to take what we hear or take what we read and then put it into practice in our everyday life. You see, listening and hearing and reading and believing and agreeing are all well and good. But it is doing that makes all the difference. Now, before you hit the Lutheran panic button and say, what is all this about doing? This is not about earning your salvation. It's not about earning God's favor. This is discipleship. This is about living out your faith as a response to what Jesus has already done for you. James says, don't just listen and be deceived. Do what it says. Now, this is a truth that goes all the way back to the Old Testament when the Israelites were really good at going through the motions. They would go to the temple, they would buy their sacrifice, they would go through all of the pageantry, and then they would feel like they were done. Like, hey, we are great followers of God. We've gone to the letter of the law. And what God says is, that's not what it's all about. What's more important is that you actually obey me, that you actually apply my word. So look at 1 Samuel 15, 22. The prophet says, does the Lord delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as much as in obeying the Lord? To obey is better than sacrifice, and to heed is better than the fat of the rams. Now, if you read the Old Testament, there is chapter after chapter, verse after verse about all the ins and outs of sacrifice, and you might think that that's all it's about, but God is saying to obey him is so much more important than your little sacrifice. See, the Israelites are a perfect example of what James is teaching us today. So James goes on to use an illustration. It's one of my favorites in the New Testament. He says, anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in the mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. So James uses this picture of something that probably every single one of us has used at least once today, if not 10 times today, and that's a mirror. But you see, in James's time, they, of course, didn't have nice mirrors like we do today. They had to use a polished piece of metal, or more likely in the morning when they would maybe wash their face in a bucket of water, maybe they would catch a glimpse of their reflection in the water. And James is saying, coming to church, listening to the word, reading the word, feeling a little bit convicted, but then not doing anything about it is like getting up in the morning, looking into the mirror, and have you ever had this happen? You walk in and you're like, yikes, this is not good. 
He's saying having that feeling and then not doing anything about it is the same thing as hearing God's word and not doing anything about it. Now, when you get up in the morning and you have that yikes feeling, well, of course, we have all sorts of things that we go through to try to make ourselves look better, right? We spend a lot of time in front of the mirror. Think about all the money that you have, that you have spent to address that yikes feeling. Think about all of the product that you have on your countertop or in your cabinet. Things for your hair, things for your face, things for your teeth. Think about all the trouble we go through when we're traveling and you have to get the little ones and put it in the clear bag and go through security all so that we can look just right. But not only that, think about all the times during the day that you either go find another mirror or you try to catch your reflection in a storefront window to make sure that you still look all right. Well, what James is saying is every day there are two mirrors that compete for our attention. The first mirror shows us what we need to fix with our appearance. But more importantly, there's another mirror, which is the mirror of God's word, which shows us what we need to fix in our hearts. And the question is, which one of those two mirrors is going to take priority? Which one of those mirrors are we going to focus on the most? Now, if we listen to God's word, if we read God's word and take it to heart, we're going to see again and again all the ways that we fall short And the thing is, we find every excuse possible to try to brush that off and say, you know, well, I'm really not that bad. Or, you know, look at those people. They're way worse than I am. Or, you know, I faithfully showed up to church or I tuned in online. So, I mean, where's my gold star? It's way easier to be committed to things that don't last, like our appearance, than things that make a lasting difference like our integrity, our trust, our decisions, all the things that God talks about. So God or James continues on in verse 25. He says, but whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they have heard, but doing it, they will be blessed in what they do. Now notice James says, look intently which means it's not just one of those really quick checks in the mirror. This is like getting out the microscope and taking a very honest assessment of your everyday life. And he says, look intently at the perfect law, which is God's word. It's the scriptures. Now, when you get out the microscope and take an honest assessment of your life, or if I do that, we're going to see all of the ways that we don't measure up to God's law. We definitely are going to feel convicted. We're going to see how far we fall short. It's not a very pleasant experience. But look at how James talks about it. He says, they give freedom. I mean, is that how you typically think about rules and regulations and boundaries? I mean, many people would describe it as restrictive or a buzzkill or the opposite of freedom. But I know when I think about how I've applied God's rules and God's boundaries to my life, initially, it might feel restrictive. But in the long run, I experience way more freedom. 
when it comes to money or love or revenge or anger, living out God's standards brings a freedom that you can't find anywhere else. You know, I think back to when I was a kid and my parents instilled in me and my siblings the importance of giving 10% to God, giving our first fruits. Now, it wasn't that big a deal when we were just getting a little bit of an allowance. We get $10, you put $1 in the offering plate. But then I got a job and it was hundreds of dollars. And then I got another job and it became more. And suddenly it was like, man, this is more difficult than it was before. But what I've found is that living out God's rules and God's standards bring incredible freedom. That as I've committed to tithe over throughout my life, God has continued to provide everything I need again and again. And I experience greater freedom than I could ever find anywhere else. You see, the truth is, church, listening to and then doing God's word is what brings freedom. Listening to God's word, but then putting it into practice is how we experience the freedom that we need. Now, some of you have been following Jesus for a very long time, and you're thinking, I've got this down. I'm doing great. I've applied God's word in so many areas of my life, and that's awesome. I hope you keep it up. But we also have to acknowledge there is something called selective listening, Have you ever done this before? I know it's something I have been called out by my mother, by my wife before. It's when you hear something and you choose not to act on it, you kind of pretend like you didn't hear it. It's basically choosing to only hear the things that you want to hear and then acting only on those things. Think about how easy it is to do with God's word. Now, I remember a conversation with one of my kids when they were very little. They were down in our basement, and I wanted them to come up for something. And so I yelled down to the basement, hey, come up. It's time to come up. No response. I had to call a few more times, and finally I had to go down and bring them up the stairs. And so I said, why didn't you come when I called? And they said, well, I didn't hear you. I knew this wasn't true. So I said, what do you mean you didn't hear me? No response. So then I thought, how many times didn't you hear me? And they said, well, at least three or four times. That's selective listening, right? I think every one of us falls into this trap in our spiritual life. Maybe deep down, we know the boundaries that God has for us, but we choose not to think about it. You know, you listen to them, but you don't put them into practice. Remember, it's one thing to feel convicted. It's another to actually take action And it might seem hard at first, but James says this is how you are going to find lasting freedom. Now, in the Gospel of Matthew chapter 7, at the end of the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus talks about the very same thing. He says, therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine, and what? Puts them into practice, is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. In Jesus' time, it was way easier not to build on the rock. I mean, to get to the bedrock, you had to dig down through the desert sand. It took a lot of time, effort, and money. But if you would take the time to build on the rock, it meant your house was so much more secure. 
It would have a solid foundation. And so Jesus goes on to say, the rain came down, the streams rose, the winds blew and beat against that house, yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. There's another translation that says nothing moved because it was anchored to the rock. Now, we're going to face all sorts of different storms. Look at what Jesus says. He says, there's rain that affects the roof. There's winds that blow against the walls and the windows. And then there's floods that affect the foundation. But if you are anchored to the rock, you will withstand the storm. But he goes on to say, but everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell with a mighty or a great crash. Jesus is saying, if you hear his words and you don't apply them, you're foolish. We might think that we have a strong and secure life, but James would say, you're deceived. Just listening just reading, just going through the motions at church will not provide the foundation you need to survive the storm. We need to stay anchored to the rock. And that anchor needs to be rooted and founded in God's word. Well, as we close out our time, I want to circle back to what James has taught us today because I think he also gives us some very practical steps about how to put this into practice each and every day. So first, he says, listen to the word. It starts with hearing. It starts with reading the word. Make sure worship is a priority. We love to see you in person. We love that you tune in online. Listen, read the word every day. Make it a part of your life. But then number two, study it. What's the difference between reading or listening and studying? I think a big difference is when you study the word, you write things down. What is God speaking to you? What, what stands out to you? What questions do you have? Have a notebook or write in the margin. Studying God's word means you're writing things down. Number three, he says, Continue to do this, which is about making it a habit. What if you started every single day in the Word? But not only that, what if you ended every day in the Word? I love what Rick Warren says. He says, use this phrase, his word first, his word last. Instead of checking out your stock quotes first in the morning or checking your email or going on social media, read God's Word. First, Now, this might look like keeping an open Bible by your bedside. It might mean on your phone that you put all your social media apps somewhere difficult to access and you have your Bible app right up front. But read some of God's word first thing in the morning and the last thing at night and see how that will impact your life. Make it a habit. Number four, he says, not forgetting. We forget about 95% of what we hear when we come to church within a week. This is about memorizing God's word. What if you had a note card that you kept with you where you'd write down a verse that especially speaks to you and you would read it again and again. Maybe you put that note card on your bathroom mirror. Maybe you keep it in your pocket. Maybe use the notes app on your phone. 
But here's the thing, to memorize something, you need to speak it out loud. Every day, just keep speaking it out loud and you'll memorize it. It'll be written on your hearts. Joshua 1.8 says, Do not let this book of the law depart from your mouth. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. Did you know this is the only promise in all of Scripture that we will be successful? I mean, everybody wants to be successful, right? This is what success looks like. Meditate on his word day and night and actually do it. Now, I know the word meditate is kind of a mysterious word, and it's not about just, you know, the om. It's not, that's not the meditation he's talking about. It's actually, think about when you worry about something. What is worrying? It's just fixating on one thought again and again and again and again, right? Well, what if you replaced worry with God's word? Again and again, you go over God's truth and God's promises. That's meditating on his word. And then number five, he says, do what it says. And that's what we've been talking about this morning. Where is God calling you not to just listen, but to actually put it into practice? What is he calling you to do this week in order to follow him more closely? Church, this week, when you wake up and you stand in front of your mirror, remember God is calling you to examine your heart and your life with the same intentionality that you stare at your appearance in the mirror. He's calling you to stay anchored to his word and his promises. No matter what storm you might be facing today or what storm might be coming down the line in the future. Well, then James ends this passage with an incredible promise for every one of us to remember. He says, when we stay anchored to God's word, when we hear it and then put it into practice, we will be blessed. And there's nothing better than being blessed by God. But another key to remember is that the Bible clearly says the reason God blesses us is so that we can bless others. So maybe there's people around you who are facing their own storms. And maybe you can use the truth of God's word to walk with them. God blesses us so that we can bless others. So anchor your life to the rock of God's unchanging word. And then you will be blessed. Let's pray. Gracious God, we give you thanks that you are the giver of all good things and that you have blessed us with the gift of your word. God, help us not to be deceived as we just go through the motions, as we just feel good about ourselves because we actually showed up for worship. God, instead, show us how to put it into practice. Help us to anchor to your solid foundation God, help us to live and breathe and meditate and memorize your word so that we will be ready to face whatever life has to throw at us. And not only that, God, help us to walk with others, others who need your hope, your peace, your comfort, your love. God, we thank you that you promise that we are never alone, 
that you walk with us every step of the way and that you speak into every situation we face. God, help us to stay anchored to the truth of your word. And so God, we pray all this in the powerful name of your son, Jesus, and let's all say together,